Heroes. Amazing last year. I, I, I can't believe that we didn't consider the thought earlier, but last year we really realized that everyone's not familiar with a lot of the stories from the Bible, the great stories. I call them great because they are great. And they're not just great has beens, they're great will be's in each and every one of our lives. And so we decided last year that every year during the month of October or a month during the year, that we're going to highlight a few Bible greats, classic Bible stories. Now, we don't have time to tell them all, but we hope through you just hearing the few that we are going to present to you, that that will give you a desire to read God's Word and learn more. Because here's the first statement I'm going to say today. Are you ready? God's Word has the answer to every single problem that you will ever face in your life. Anything, anything, anything that you will face in your life, God's Word has the answer. So if the answer is there, we need to read it. We need to study it. That was a good place to say an amen right there. We need to read it. We need to be engaged in it. We need to discover the answers and then apply the biblical principles and truths to our lives that are going to steer us in the right direction. Are we always going to be perfect? No. But God's Word can help steer us through our darkest moments and our toughest times. So today we're going to look at the spies, really the 12 spies. The spies that went into the land of Canaan. And what we're going to see through this story, I pray, and in your life is this. We want you to see beyond the difficulties. We want you to see beyond the difficulties. Let me ask you a question. Anyone have any difficulties? Anyone ever have any struggles? Come on now, if that's you, yeah, man, you're preaching already, Pastor. We all do in various areas of our life. So guess what? This story is for you. Tell someone around you today, this story is for you. This, I just feel this story is for you. Come on. Unbelief. I want to start with saying a few things before we jump into the story today. And that is this, unbelief does not want you to see beyond. Unbelief doesn't want 
you to see beyond. Unbelief wants to keep you living in John chapter 10, verse 10, in part A. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Unbelief wants you to live there, where God says, but I have come that you may have life, and life more abundantly, part A, part B. I wonder what part we're living in of that verse. Because the enemy wants us, through unbelief, not to see beyond where we're at, but to think this is it. Unbelief wants us to see the impossibilities. And what we're going to read in this story is the impossibilities they saw were walled cities and giants. But those things want to stand in position or opposition that we no longer see the presence and the power of God. Hebrews 13 verse 5 and 6 reminds us, God says, I will never leave you. Look at it, last part. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That doesn't sound like unbelief. Unbelief wants to say, where's God? He checked out on you a long time. He don't care about you. God says, no, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. And here's why, verse 6, so you may boldly say, today you can boldly say what? The Lord is my helper. Wow, I wish I had a witness in the house today. God is my helper. We're not just talking about anyone. If you've worked somewhere, most of the times they'll give you a helper. And the problem with helpers is, most of the times, they're there to be learners. They need to learn what you're doing. So instead of helping you to start with, you have to teach them. So instead of them having the initiative to know you need a hammer right now, you have to say, can you go and get me a hammer? They're a helper, but to start with, they can sometimes be a hindrance. Anyone know what I'm talking about? But when you teach them and train them, then they become a helper. I'm telling you right now, that's a pathetic illustration when it comes to God because God is no hindrance in your life. God is the helper of your life. He's right there. Think about who we have there. That's why we can boldly say, God's with me. God is with me. He's my helper. I don't have to be afraid anymore. What can man do? Man can talk against me. Man can lie against me. Man can, what? They can hit me. They can hurt me. But there's nothing they can do that's greater than what God can do. And why we don't have to be afraid today. But unbelief wants us to see the impossibilities and not the presence. Not the fact that God's right there with His power. Unbelief wants you today to look at the obstacles where faith today wants you to look at God. So let's read the story today and let's see faith instead of unbelief. What will you see today in this story? Numbers 13, beginning in verse 1 and 2. And it says these words, And the Lord spoke to Moses. Moses is the appointed leader. He's the one that God called to send back to Egypt. And as a result of him being obedient and commanding Pharaoh to let the children of Israel go, God worked miracles after miracle and they were able to go. So he is the leader that God has chosen to lead them into their promise. And God spoke to Moses, the leader, saying, Send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving. Come on, which I am giving. Note that. Note the way it's said there that what I am giving to the children of Israel. From each tribe, and there was 12 tribes in total, of their fathers you shall send a man, everyone a leader from amongst them. Come on, if you're taking notes today, here's point number one. The promise is a process. 
The promise is a process. Oh, we like the promise. We don't like the premise. We don't like the process. We don't like what it goes along with us. You see, if you were to read back, you would discover that God had promised His people a land, the land of Canaan, a land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, a place of great abundance, a great place of great prosperity, a place of great blessing for their life. But notice with the promise there was still going to be adversity. There was still going to be that which would stand opposed or in opposition to them. In other words, the promise of our lives, what God has spoken into our lives, may be accompanied with unrest. It may be accompanied with unrest. It's not all smooth sailing. And remember, no experienced sailor ever becomes one on smooth oceans. It's through the tough times and through the hard times that we become experienced, that we grow in God. But notice the word again, if you could, from verse 2. God says, I want you to spy out a land which I am giving to you. God didn't say, I have given it. God says, I am giving it to you. Notice there's a process of His giving. It's not right now, it's a process that there was still work that they had to do to be part of the process of the promise. We don't like that. I said, we don't like that. We struggle with that. Here's how our conversations with God goes many times. God, are you messing with me or what? Is it mine or is it not? You said you have it for me, but then now you're like saying something I think a little bit different. God, what is it? Are we in or are we out? Are we up or are we down? Where's the contract, God? I want to see the small print. I, I, want, to, I want to read this. What did I sign up for, God? Because it seems like things are a little bit different. Come on, say with me, it's a process. It's a process. Oh, the promise is there. But there's a process of fulfillment of the promise in our lives. Look at salvation. What is salvation? Salvation is a process. And we're not talking about the saved part because when we're saved, we're saved. As soon as we say, God, come into my life, man, we're saved. Heaven's our destination. We are saved. God transforms us and renews us. But how many knows the process of sanctification is a little bit different? There's some things inside of us. There's some words that come out of our mouth that God needs to change. There's some actions and some attitudes and some responses in our life that God says, hold on a second, as a child of God, that doesn't belong anymore. Let's work on that. Let's deal on it. Oh, we're saved, but there's a process of sanctification that needs to take place in our lives. And it will happen because God said, I'll be faithful to do it. God says, I'll be faithful to do it. He that began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. The problem is, will you remain part of the process? We like to jump ship because that doesn't feel good. But God, my marriage is not what... Man, I feel like preaching today. My marriage isn't what I think it should be. Come on. But I thought I was going to be happier than this. I thought, give my life to you and I would be a millionaire. No, 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 no. You've heard the wrong things. Oh, there's a promise for your life, but there's a process that's taken you to your promise. And you've got to be faithful through the process. All of our lives are about a process. 
Think about the various chapters. You can label them as seasons in our life. However you want to label them, there's a process that we have to go through. And I've discovered this, and I'm going to help some of you today. You've got to make it through one before you can go to the next. You've got to make it through level one before you can make it to level two. You can't get to the end of the video game before you walk through the gates and start. You've got to go through a process and go through the various levels. And there's going to be different devils at different levels, but God is going to do something inside of you through the process that's going to make you greater, that's going to make you stronger, that's going to make you bigger. Why? Because greater is He that is within you. But it's through the process that you discover that. Come on, you can't just go to the gym and look at a weight. It's through the process of picking them up and beginning to use them that you stretch and work and do something. It's a process. Wouldn't it be great if you could just buy a gym membership and you could just look like this? I mean, come on, let's be real. Be great. How much would we pay for that? We'd pay thousands just to buy a membership and be ripped for the rest of our life. But there's a process. All of our lives are a process. And there's so many Christians, there's so many people today who are dead in the water, so to speak. Why? Because they've given up on the process. Because they see where they're at as a dead end instead of a pathway onto greater things. You've got to understand something today. His end is different to your end. When you come to the end, you haven't come to His end right now. It's just part of the process that you've got to keep trusting God and you've got to keep believing God. If you're taking notes today, here's a good thing, man. You can Twitter this, you can tweet this, you can post this, you can put your name as you quoted it. I don't care. This is something good. Remember this. Remember the process is not the destination, but it has taken us one step closer to the destination. Come on, the process is not the destination. It's taken me, though, each day one step closer to the end, to what God has in store for our lives. Because you see, so many times the enemy wants us to see the immediate right now, as good as it's going to get. And therefore, he wants us just to see the just now that we will begin to live only for this moment. And when we begin to see our lives at that, we're going to fall into desperate places. Because then we're going to start marrying the wrong people. Oh, because he kind of looks good and he's all I can get right now. Listen, did you hear yourself right now? Come on. It's a process. It's not the destination. It's a process. Don't make decisions based on your future, based on the hurts that you're facing today. What happens when we just see just now and don't see the process? We'll have the wrong friends around us. We'll make bad financial decisions. And the list continues and continues, and maybe you would know it all too well today. I'm not wanting to jump ahead, but outside of Joshua and Caleb, the Bible tells us that what? The Bible doesn't really tell us, well, the, the Bible lists people. But outside of Joshua and Caleb, I wonder today if anyone knows the names of any of the other 12 spies that went into the land of Canaan. All we know is the two. Why is that? Because you don't build monuments to a critic. You don't build monuments to those who have failed along the way. And those who don't make it through the process are not going to make it to the end. I want to tell you today, if you're not going to make it through the process, you're not going to make it into what God has for your life. You've got to make it through 
the process. God has a promise for your life. And so why not start living in that instead of your own way? Speak to that promise. Think on that promise. Act upon that promise. You need to start saying today, it's mine. I've just got to go and possess it. I am giving it to you, God says, but I've just got to go and possess it. I've got to go through the process in order to receive the promise. And then we would read on verses 3 through 16 of Numbers 13. God begins to just list down all those who would go. Those people we don't know their names of except for Joshua and Caleb. And God lists all those people. And then Moses gives the instruction by God to those 12 spies, jumping down to verse 18. And it says this, See what the land is like. This is Moses speaking to them, instructing them. See what the land is like, whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak or few or many. See whether the land they dwell is good or bad, whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or like strongholds. They didn't have Google Maps. They couldn't Google it and see what was going on. They had to send people eyewitness accounts into their verse 20. See whether the land is rich or poor, whether there are forests or not. Be of good courage and bring some of the fruit of the land. Jump into verse 21. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rahab near the entrance of Hamath. And it goes on. For 40 days, 12 spies went throughout the entirety of the land of Canaan. And their instruction was this. You have to go and report and come back and tell us everything that you see. Bring back a report. I'm going to give you point number two before we need to read the next part of the story. Point number two of the message today is this. Don't just start well. Don't just start well. Too many Christians are like fireworks. You know what a firework does? There's a big explosion and a bang. Everyone around goes, wow, and then it's gone. Too many Christians are like spiritual fireworks. There's a big explosion in their life. Wow, God's awesome. He's great. And they're telling everyone. And then everyone around goes, wow. And then all of a sudden they're gone. It's not how you start. It's how you maintain and how you finish. Verse 27 of Numbers, it says this. They told him, they told Moses and said. Notice how they started. We went into the land where you sent us. And truly, it flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. In other words, they're saying, man, you think you know what God has promised? You ain't seen nothing yet. This land is absolutely incredible. How do we know this? Jump back to verse 23. Then those who were there came to the valley of Eskol. They cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and they had to carry it between the two of them on a pole. This ain't no little stick. This is a pole that two grown men are carrying a cluster or a bunch of grapes. Man, that's some grapes right there. That's some grapes. And then some of them are bringing some pomegranates and figs. Man, must have been incredible. The figs were bigger than watermelons must have been. And the pomegranates, because of the blessing of God, one cluster 
Think about the excitement this is generating as they're walking through the camp to bring back their report. And people are seeing those bunch of grapes. They're seeing that fruit. People are high-fiving each other and saying, wow, this is awesome. I'm so excited. People are celebrating. They're hugging. They are what shedding tears of joy. Wow, thank God. No longer in the wilderness that we're going to get out. Everything's going good till verse 28. Nevertheless. Nevertheless, oh, it's great, God, but it's great, God, but the people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and they are very large. And moreover, and here's one big thing, a massive thing. We saw the descendants of Anak there, a.k.a. giants. Giants, code name for giants. Giants are there in the land. We have got to guard our lives against the buts of life. Oh God, you're so good, but. God, you're so faithful, but. Those but moments that will come, we have got to guard our lives and continually remind ourselves of the promise because it's not easy through the process. We've got to remind ourselves of the one who is fully committed to be there with us and take us through. I like what Mr. Dan said this week. He said, we must watch that we don't see the giant in front of us as bigger than the giant that is within us. Isn't that so true? We've got to watch that the giants that are in front of us don't parade themselves and we see them as bigger than the God, the giant who wants to live inside of us. So many start well but get swallowed up with the cares of this world. Jesus used the parable of the sower to show that. As he sowed out the seeds, the seed was what? The Word of God. The soil was the type of heart, how it received the seed, how it received the word, and it was cast up in the cares of this world. It didn't understand, it didn't fully grasp, and as a result, it didn't have root, it didn't take grounding, it withered up, it died, the birds came and stole it away. We have got to watch in our lives for the but moments of our life. We are all going to have them, but we've got to be reminded that God is still in control through those toughest times and those greatest moments when we feel He is so far away. God is still right there with us. Don't just start well. Wow. It's gone. Be a blaze for God. No, it's not always easy. But we always have our way of escape with us. We've just got to trust God through the storms. Point number three. You've got to see something different. You've got to see something different. I'm going to say it this way. You've got to make the choice to see something different. You need to choose right now. I'm going to see things different this week. I'm going to have a different attitude this week. I'm going to have a different response. You've got to make a choice to see things. Verse, was it verse 30? It says, Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses. Caleb And really, Joshua stood up before the people and quieted them. What you've got to realize is, Joshua and Caleb weren't part of the but. They weren't part of the ones that were saying, oh, it's great, but the giants. They weren't part of that but. They were part of the, oh, God, but. What do I mean by that? That God is able. That's the part that they were a part of. And Caleb said, let's go up at once 
and take possession. Grab a hold of our promise that God has for us. Why? For we are well able. We're not just able. We are well able to overcome it. I love his faith. His faith doesn't say the wall giants, the big cities, all these kind of things. He just labels it as an it. We are able to overcome it. Whatever the enemy wants to throw at you, God says, I will raise up a standard against him. You've got to start seeing those things as an it. What do I mean by that? Something that God has already dealt with and God has already defeated and you're going to be victorious through those because he trusts and he knows the God whom he serves. He's reminded of the promise. Oh, there's still a process, but you've got to remind the process of the promise. Come on, in the process, you've got to remind yourself of the promise, and you've got to choose to see things different. Listen to me. They saw the same things, yet they saw something completely different. Hold on a second. That's kind of contradicting. No, it's not. They saw the giants. They saw the walled cities. They saw the problems, they saw the struggles, they saw the good things too. But they chose to see something completely different. They chose to see that we are well able, that we have the ability to prevail and succeed. It's like David and Goliath. I love the story. One of my favorite in the Word of God. Love the story of David and Goliath. He shows up on the scene of what he thought was going to be a battle to see God's people hiding in a cave. He's like, what's going on? What's happening? And his brother said, just wait a few minutes. Oh, here it comes. Every day, morning and night, right on song. Here comes, here comes. Watch out, hide. Here he comes. And here comes a giant that begins to defy the armies of God. God's people are living in fear, regret, terror, anguish, David steps into the scene. David doesn't see a giant. David sees a target that he cannot miss. I wonder what you see today. I wonder what you see today. Do you see the adversities and the trials? Do you see the opposition? Do you see the process is too great? Do you see the butt moments in your life? Or do you see an opportunity of a target that God cannot miss? Because Caleb quieted the people and said, wait a minute, we are well able in God. We are greater. Greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. Let's be honest today. We're in church. Good place to do that. In the natural, there's always going to be things bigger than you. When the credit card company tell you that you owe all that money, that's bigger than you. When they come and tell you that you need to pay this, if not, you're going to have stuff shut off. That's bigger than you. There's circumstances of life that are bigger than you. When the doctor says you have cancer, that's bigger than you. That's a big thing. But it's never bigger than the God that you serve. Hebrews 12 verse 1 and 2 says this, Therefore we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, what does that mean? Those who have already proved God and those who have already made it, who are cheering us on. Let us lay aside every weight. Come on, we've got to lay aside the doubts, the fears, the wrong perspectives that we can have in life and the sin which so easily ensnares us that we can run with endurance. Meaning what? If you've got to endure something, it's going to be tough. There's going to be tough times. It's not all a downhill run. you 
going to need stamina, God's word, to make it through. We've got to run with endurance the race that is set before us. And here's the key, verse 2, Hebrews 12, looking unto Jesus. Looking at who? Looking at Jesus, the author and the finisher, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, what was the joy that kept him going? Seeing you and I saved and working victories in our lives. He endured the cross, despised the shame, and now is sat down. Man, I could preach that for weeks. He sat down. Why he's not up about doing, trying to prepare and fix. He's already accomplished it on the cross, and he's sitting in the victory that you and I can have in our lives because he has done it all sitting at the right hand of God. So what does it say? There's going to be a race. There's endurance that we need. We've got to keep trusting. We've got to lay aside those things. But the key is this. We've got to look to Jesus. What do you see today? You've got to start seeing Jesus in your spouse. You've got to start seeing Jesus in your boss. You've got to start seeing Jesus in those situations. Why? For one thing, you're going to talk differently to them. Come on. Some of you wouldn't talk to Jesus like you talk to your kids. Some of you wouldn't talk to Jesus like you talk to your boss and spouse. But you've got to start seeing Jesus as the victory. The thought there is looking unto Jesus first means this. You've got to look away from everything else. If you're going to look at Jesus, you've got to look away from everything else. And secondly, it means to see. To look away from, to see. To look away from, to see. In other words, I am now giving undivided attention. Looking away from all other distractions. To fix one's gaze on one object. I love it. It literally means this. Having eyes only for Jesus. Having eyes for no one but Jesus. That's the key. Oh, Joshua and Caleb saw the giants. Joshua and Caleb saw the walled cities. But they never lost sight of God. Through it all. You cannot lose sight of God through it all. Look at this statement. Faith is not blind. Nor does it deny the reality of the difficulty. People turn around and say, well, I'm not sick. That's a negative confession. No, if you're sick, you're sick. You need to confess those things so you can be healed and you can have the healing that you need. Oh, it's not really that bad. Oh, no, it is really that bad. Faith is not blindness and it's not denying the reality, but it declares the power of God in the face of the problem. What do you see today? Do you see through the eyes of unbelief or do you see through the eyes? Oh, we're seeing the same thing, but we can have a different report. Because what? 1C or 10C, we can't make it. 2C, we're well able with God. Oh, the enemy's still there, but so is God. And God is always greater. What an understatement right there to say that God is greater. God is so great, it is absolutely absurd. How great He really is. And a footnote, are you ready? A footnote is this. Caleb wouldn't receive what he saw for another 40 years. But he refused to let it go. He had to hold on to faith. Because even though the delays may come, faith's confession will bring you through victoriously if you hold on. He had to wait 40 years, but he held on. I don't know how long you may have to hold on, but you've got to start seeing by faith your spouse saved. You've got to see your children 
breakthrough in their lives. You've got to see yourself well and see yourself whole. It may not happen today, but you've got to choose to keep your eyes only on Him and see everything else differently. When I look at the world today, I've made a choice. I'm not looking at gloom, doom, and despair. I'm not waking up in the morning paralyzed by fear, watching stuff on the news and saying, what am I going to do? Oh my God, I'm afraid to leave my house. What I'm, I'm not afraid to go to the movies if someone's going to come in with a gun. I'm not afraid. I'm not living by the gloom and the doom and the despair of the world all around me. Oh, I see the darkness, but I see darkness as the opportunity for light to shine. Because where there's no darkness, light can't shine. You can't see a flashlight in the daylight, but where there's darkness, it illuminates in a greater way. So I don't see all the misery, gloom, and despair. Oh, I see the darkness, but I see the opportunity to be a greater light, that we can bring hope to this world, that God's hasn't finished yet and the end days are going to be greater. I see those things that God is greater than me than everything else in the world. What do you see? We're seeing the same things. We're hearing the same thing. But we need to see something completely different. We need to see God having eyes only for Him. Point number four, what report will you believe? What report will you believe? There was a bad report and there was a good report. I wonder just a quick poll, if someone comes up to you and says, hey, I've got some news for you. I've got good news and I've got bad news. Who, who takes the good news first? Let me see, who takes the good news first? People, who takes the bad news first? You want to start low so you can go higher. Give me the bad news first. Give me the bad news first. The problem is they took the bad news and didn't even want to hear the good news. And we've got to be so careful in our lives because a bad report can just keep us camped in the bad stuff. We've got to have a good report today. Verse 31, and the report gets worse. It says, but the men who had gone up with him... Those who had gone up with Caleb said, we are not able to go up. What a lie. What a lie. Perhaps the enemy is speaking that over your life today. That there's never going to be peace for you. There's no breakthroughs. There's no way of escape. If the enemy is taunting you, if the enemy's lying, if the enemy's telling you those kind of things, wake up and realize something. Are you ready? Buzzards only circle where there's fresh meat. If the enemy's coming in and saying, you're never going to be, and it's because there's potential in you that he's trying to stop you from seeing in your life, that there is something of value right there for you. Start seeing today that when the bad report says you're not able, start realizing if the enemy says I can't do it, that's because he's afraid of what's inside of me that I need to begin to release out of me that can change my life. We're not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report. Say a bad report. Ever had one of those? Maybe you're in one right now. But that does not have to be the report you choose. You have a choice today to choose the report that you will live by, and you're going to have to keep choosing that. And look what now miraculously happens in the land. Verse 32. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Watch out. That, that's not what they said earlier. You mean like it opens up and it just swallows people? I mean, it devours its inhabitants. And now notice, all the people are now giants. Before they said we saw some giants, 
Now all of a sudden, all the people we saw are men of great stature. That's not what they said before. Why? Because when we start believing the wrong report and we start listening to the wrong report over and over and over again, it will begin to exaggerate the situation, beginning to fabricate things, and it begins to create images in our minds, in our lives that are not fact and not truth, and they weren't there before. Don't believe me. Start going to bed and start thinking about something that's not good and see how you feel in the morning. Because that night, it grows and it grows and it grows and it grows. How do you make a mountain out of a molehill? Keep adding on the dirt. And the enemy wants to keep adding on the dirt. He keeps wanting. Because, oh, there were strong cities, but now the land devours its people. Now all the people are giants and great. Oh, it may not look good. Don't get me wrong, but it's not the end. Remember, it may be your end. But it's not God's. And what does God remind us? Galatians 6, 9. Let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we're going to reap if we don't lose heart. Oh, the enemy wants you to lose heart. To hear the bad report. To not believe the good. Oh, is it hard? Yes. Is it impossible? Definitely not. It's your choice. But you've got to keep choosing. You've got to manage your decisions. Wow, that would preach right there. You can't just say yes. You've got to manage that decision. You've got to manage it each and every day. You've got to police that decision too. You've got to take authority over those things. Anyone with me today? Is this okay today? Point number five. Point number five. Almost done. You've got to guard against unbelief. You've got to guard your life. Literally, you've got to begin to guard your life because how you or what you believe and what you allow to speak into your life is going to cause you to begin to determine how you see your life and how you see yourself. Because a bad report, doubt, and unbelief wants to get inside of you. Verse 33. They said, not only does the land devour us, does it open up? Not only was there men of great giants and stature. Look at this. We saw giants and we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. In other words, they said we were like mere insects. We're like a mere insect. The enemy wants nothing more than for you to begin to see yourself as small. To see yourself as unable, inadequate, defeated, knocked down. Because, you see, the enemy knows that when you start seeing yourself small, then you just automatically believe that everyone else sees the same thing. Because when you look in the mirror and you see someone who's defeated, you just think everyone who's walking down the street sees the same defeated person. When you see yourself as just, just incomplete and, and, and ugly and you see yourself as, who would want to be with me? When you see that in the mirror, then you just begin to say, well, no one could ever love me or want to be with me because the enemy, if he can start you seeing yourself as small, then you're going to do the work for him because you're then going to start believing that everyone else sees you in the same way. Can you see what has happened? Because of the bad report, they're now seeing something that's not true and now they've shrunk themselves down to a mere insect. Something so unimportant. And that's what the enemy and this world wants for you to feel. That you'll never make a difference. That you're useless, you're pointless, you're a mistake. Look at third world countries. If you were to look at most third world countries, 
us sitting on the other side of the fence, what do we see in most third world countries? We see absolute beauty and splendor. A lot of these countries are the places that people want to go for their dream vacations. Because there's such wealth and beauty in those countries. A lot of those third world countries are servicing the world with other things. Just like coffee and there's wealth. And Kelly and I went to, where did we go for our honeymoon? Where was it? Costa Rica. And all the fruits and the coffees and every. We tried to forget that. That was like a missions trip. It wasn't a honeymoon. We'll tell you about that later if you haven't heard the story. Something else. Walked through mudslides, carried our luggage over our heads on planks of a bridge that was true story. True story. Not lying to you. But you looked around and you thought to yourself, look at the poverty all around you, but yet they are shipping coffee, they're shipping bananas and fruit to the whole, they've got such wealth. But what do those nations do? They don't educate their people. They don't have a system of education. Why? Because if they keep them uneducated, they don't realize that they're worth more, that they have value in their life, and they can be something in their life. You see, the devil wants to keep you uneducated so he can keep you oppressed and keep you down, but you've got to start seeing right now, hold on a second, I can't allow unbelief to rule inside of me because I'm bigger than I really think I am. You've got to start seeing yourself as big. What a picture the enemy wants to make to keep you locked down, to keep you believing I will never be anything, that God doesn't even care about me. What's the point anyway when you begin to see all your circumstances that are bigger than you? You've got to stop seeing yourself through your eyes. You've got to stop seeing yourself through the enemy's eyes. And you've got to start seeing yourself through God's eyes. I'm the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. I'm the lender and not the borrower. You need to stick your shoulders back. Come on, you need to put your head high in the air and you need to say, I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of God. I'm a son of God. I'm not an insect. Come on, I'm His special creation. I'm His chosen generation. I'm His royal priesthood. It's amazing when you read the Bible, just like today. The stories of unlikely heroes. So many nobodies of the world that people overlooked and threw to the side and discarded and said, there's never any hope for them. But I want you to know something. Are you ready? God uses nobodies who know the somebody. Aren't you glad about that? That God wants to use you. Oh, you may be a nobody, but that doesn't matter as long as you know the somebody. We're not talking about a somebody. We're talking about the somebody. And that person is God that wants to change your life. I often look at my life and ask myself a question, God, why did you choose me? There's a lot more people that could do a better job than me. There's a lot of people more educated, qualified, better than what I am. But I had to come to a place one day where I realized it wasn't up to me to do the choosing. God chose me. And now I had to accept that call. Instead of seeing myself as defeated and other people better to do what God had called me, I had to put on a new pair of glasses and I needed to start seeing through the lenses of God. And I had to start seeing that there was something inside of me that God saw me as greater than what I saw myself, but that was the report I was going to believe and I had to guard my heart with that because the circumstances and situations wanted to say, you're small, you'll never make it in life, but I've got to start seeing a great God that is able to do infinitely more than I could even imagine, I could even dream of in my wildest dreams. No, I'm not perfect. 
Thank you. Amen. There you go. God's still working in me. There's things in my past I'm not proud of. But as Paul writes, I want this to be my testimony today. You ready? Philippians 3 verse 13. I do not count to have made it. I haven't apprehended. I haven't laid hold of everything. But this one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind. My failures, my stakes, and my problems. And I reach forward to those great things that we have in God. I let go of, I forget those things that want to make me small. And I reach towards a God that makes me big. Come on, you make me great. You make me strong. Is that that song? You make me strong. You call me out from the winds and from the waves and the struggles and you make me brave. You make me strong. Come on, David says I can run through a troop and I can jump over a wall. Not because he was big, but because of the bigness of God. God, you can carry me through it. Stop seeing yourself. Refuse To allow unbelief, guard yourself against smallness. I've got to close this message. And I know we haven't finished all the story. Read it for yourself. But what we see in the next chapter, chapter 14, is this. They refused to enter the land. Because of the wrong report, they refused to enter. Joshua and Caleb stand up again and they plead with the people. Come on, we can do it. Please, change your mind. They refuse to. They rebel against God, the Bible says. It's a rebellion against God. God wants to destroy them. He wants to take them out. Moses stands and he intercedes on their behalf. And God pronounces a death sentence upon the ten spies who brought a bad report. But I want you to see something else just before we close today. And that comes from Numbers chapter 14, verse 31 and 33. And God says, but your little ones whom you said would be victims. In other words, he's saying, you know, you said we can't go in because they're going to be destroyed. God says, see your little ones that you said would be victims. I will bring in, meaning, remember I'm giving you the land. I'm going to bring them into that place. And they shall know the land which you have despised. But for you, your carcasses shall fall in the wilderness. Because of ten man's bad report, a whole generation died in the wilderness. Had to die off 40 years before they could enter into the promise. And your sons shall be shepherds in the wilderness for 40 years. In other words, really, or let me say this, 40 years. Why 40 years? One day for every, or one year for every day that they spied out the land, God said they were going to be in a wilderness. But note this, note this, verse 33. They will bear the brunt of your infidelity. I've never seen this before. God is saying this. They're the innocent ones, the victims. And because of your disbelief and because of you not living for God, because of you not serving God, your children are going to pay the brunt. They're going to suffer the brunt for your infidelity. Parents, listen to me right now. Please. Others are depending upon the decisions that you make today. You may say, well, it's just for me. No, it's for your children and your children's children. God's a three-dimensional God. He's a multi-generational God. 
You've got to start seeing this. We can say, well, hey, I'm just seeing myself as small and I'm affecting my life. No, you're affecting your children's life because God says they're going to bear the brunt of the decision that you make today. You may say, well, it's too late. No, it's never too late to start. Start today. It doesn't just affect you. It affects your children and your seed for future generations. I don't want my children to bear the brunt of my infidelity in the fact of I'm unable to believe and trust God. I want my children, I want to set up a platform for my children to build upon. That they would say, man, my dad taught us how to have faith. Life wasn't always easy, but they told us to see God through the storms and the trials. And we choose to see God instead of the adversities in the trials. You've got to see that because unbelief is going to die. Verse 37 says that all those who died, they all died. They didn't make it. But unbelief dies, but faith lives because Joshua and Caleb, 40 years later, walked into God's promise. How? By confronting the negative, they held on to faith. They had a future while all others died. And their faith, just like we see because of their unbelief, others bore the brunt. Because of their faith, other people were able to make it. Because if they did not have faith, no one would have made it into the promise. Your faith can make way for the promise for your life, for your children and your children's children and others. Because your decisions are bigger than you. What are you going to do? Are you going to enter into the promise or are you going to see the problems? Come on, you've got to see beyond the difficulties. And you've got to see a God that says, oh, I'm giving it to you. It may be a process, but hold true to the promise because I will never leave you and I will never forsake you and I will bring you through. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heartsease Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.